founder of the Guardian Angels. A group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. From the past, wasn't that the courtship of Eddie's father, father and son? How important that is. We see it here at WABC, your place to be. And remember, this is the lunchtime edition. 45 minutes of rip and read and commentary, a post-election analysis. But we have fathers and sons here. Obviously, the best well-known is uh, Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani, and his son, Andrew. Uh, But then, as you all know, my son Anthony, who is my oldest son, at 18, graduated high school, always uh, flashes his high school graduation ring at me, Lou, uh, says, you don't have one. He kicked you out of high school. Yes, the Jesuits did at Brooklyn Prep, uh, shine their boots on my backside, and I never looked back uh, there in 1972. But it's important here because... A lot of father-son combinations, and sometimes sons develop a rebellious streak. I certainly had that with my father, Chester. I think every son goes through that with his father. Not so much uh, daughters uh, with their uh, fathers, you know, because it's daddy's little little, uh, daughter. She can do no wrong. It's usually mommy. It's usually daughters with mommy, says rebellion. And sons with their fathers. And I got to tell you, Lou, I knew about 10 days ago that the Democrats had woke up. And I'm not talking woke in the sense of uh, being uh, snowflakes like AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the, the, as they call them, dissidents uh, of capitalism. No, I'm talking about the mainstream Democrats who had just thought that they could play prevent defense and actually elect the first governor of the state of New York, who was a woman, Democrat, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. And they were just sailing along playing prevent defense. Governor Holcomb was doing nothing. She was just doing official duties. She wasn't campaigning hard. And then a series a series of polls came out that indicated, hey, it's not a 20-point differential, it's a 10-point differential, and then it even shrunk from there. But I knew, Lou, that they were mustering all their forces. Ten days ago, when I received this call from my oldest son, Anthony Sliwa, who you can hear on Father and Son podcast here at WABC. Dad, I'm voting for Kathy Hochul for governor. He left that call on my message. He he did not want to confront me. Could I hear that again, Lou? Because that, to me, was a wake-up call, a wake-up call. Dad, I'm voting for Kathy Hochul for governor. That was his very first vote at 18. He was so proud of that. He went right down the A-line. Now, who influenced him? 
his father by birth, Curtis Lewa, or his stepfather, my husband-in-law, former Governor David Patterson, who is oftentimes a contributor here at the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. Well, it's obvious that Governor Patterson went to work. He lobbied Anthony. He was out there working hard. This is 10 days ago. I re- Lou, didn't I say 10 days ago? They're starting to hit the streets. The unions, I saw Local 3 out there. They had the palm cards, other unions. And then all of a sudden, they recognized their path to victory to beat back uh, Lee Zeldin's surge on that uh, crime issue was to get out the black vote. They looked at their preliminary internal polls. Remember, they all have internal polls and were saying, wow, blacks, West Indians, Caribbeans, uh, not all that thrilled with Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. They're not motivated to come out to vote. And then a dose of sharp reality came with the early voting. The early voting, Manhattan, where Lee Zeldin got crushed, 80 to 17 in the final vote. 80 to 17. There are no red areas in Manhattan any longer. Lou, in fact, when I looked at the Zeldin map, which was published in the New York Post, it said, pathway to victory. Now, I disagree with some of where they said that they were going to win. They said uh, Soundview in the South Bronx. No way. Hunts Point in the South Bronx. No way. But they're trying to get more Latino and Latina votes. I get it. But the Upper East Side, which always used to be a bastion of Republican support, always wasn't even on the map. Wasn't a red area on the map other than a a piece of Chinatown that I won in the mayoral uh, election because, remember, I was the first Republican ever to run for mayor who had won the Asian or the Chinese vote. That'll come up momentarily in my analysis. But the point being is Manhattan is the most progressive, liberal, democratic borough now of the five boroughs. If we had recall of Alvin Bragg, presuppose we had recall like California and New Jersey does, where you had to go out and get the proper number of signatures in order to recall District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Uh, You might get the signatures, but he would withstand a recall. There's no doubt about it. He would withstand a recall overwhelmingly. You got to live here to know it. I live on the Upper West Side overwhelmingly Democrat, liberal, progressive. People say, yeah, but there's some Orthodox Jews there. Insignificant. Insignificant. And they vote. They vote like it's a religion. These are the same Altachachas who are online with me to get the Sunday New York Times. they got to have the hard copy, Lou. And while they have their Starbucks in one hand, they're sitting down, they're reading the Sunday New York Times and even arguing over the letters to the editor. Arguing over the letters to the editor. And they look at me with disdain. Although I notice every morning they line up outside of my uh, my apartment. As I my job is to go get the breakfast for Nancy who uh, keeps everything operating in so many ways. And they say to me, Curtis, uh, somebody got shot at 72nd Street. Curtis, somebody got robbed at 79th Street. Curtis, oh, it's horrible. Could you run? Could you have some guardian angels come into the Upper West Side? And you know what I tell them, Lou? I say, uh, did you vote for Alvin Bragg? Yes. Did you vote for Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan? Yes. And then I look at them and say, well, you're going to have to suffer. You made your choice. You made your bed, sleep in it. But, boy, they turn out the votes. And when you look 
early voting Manhattan led in all five boroughs overwhelmingly for uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb. So the problem was Brooklyn. And I said this to you over a week ago that the Democrats, well, they were, it's almost as if they got hit with a lightning bolt and looking at all those polls, it said it was neck and neck. Remember, every day there was a poll, every day, six points difference, one point difference, three point difference, but it was all within the margin, all within the margin, and it was now under 10%. So it was winnable for Lee Zeldin. And boy, he was surging. He had that, he was on that crime, uh, that crime uh, train, and that's all he ever talked about. Crime, 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 because Kathy Holcomb stumbled and fumbled, couldn't address it. And his best ally in that was the Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who kept telling us that it is our presumption that there is crime in the subway, in the streets, and the parks. But if we look at the analytics, we should be dancing the horror and the tarantella that there are only six felonies a day in the subway system. And boy, people objected to that. But they woke up. And 10 days ago, I noticed in Brooklyn, they started hitting the black areas where people live in projects, brownstones, tenements, knocking on doors, giving out lit. These are paid individuals who did that. They are the foot soldiers. And then they approach the black reverends with street money. And that street money was uh, meant to grease their sermons on Sunday that is Jesus Christ. And then the blessed uh, Mother Mary is Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. And the, the Satan in all of this is uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin. And boy, they were preaching loud and proud for Hochul and telling them how they could get to church buses and how they could go to vote on Tuesday, and boy, they were out in force. Now, that's central Brooklyn, predominantly black. And then yesterday, they were out there hardcore in northern Brooklyn hitting all the white hipster millennial areas, Brooklyn Heights, Park Slope, Cobble Hill, downtown Brooklyn. And again, going door-to-door, business-to-business, like little uh, worker bees, worker ants, because they knew that previously they were losing in Brooklyn. Losing, not to vote, but losing in suppressing the Zeldin vote. They had to get their vote out. Ultimately, when the last ballots were cast, it was 70 to 28 in Brooklyn. And then when you look at the rest of the state that was so important, and we had discussed this, I had told you that... Since everybody was comparing this election to uh, 1994 and the victory of George Pataki against Mario Facha Bruta Como, I said that Lee Zeldin would have to win Erie County, which is the backyard of crime wave Kathy Holcomb, who is the sugar mama there, who got them a brand new Buffalo Bills stadium. Pataki had beaten, uh, had beaten uh, Mario Facha Bruta Como by five percentage points. Zeldin lost Erie County by five percentage points to Hochul. Westchester County, critical. Uh, it was the backyard of George Pataki. Remember, he was the mayor of Peekskill. And let's face it, George Pataki looks like he fits right into Westchester, whereas Lee Zeldin looks like he, he could, be a, could have been an accountant uh, living in Shirley, taking the Long Island Railroad into New York every day to work. So in Westchester, Pataki won it by six percentage points. And Zeldin lost it to Holcomb by five percentage points. So therein lies the story of the election. 
Zeldin, although, did a remarkable job. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, George Pataki was running against somebody who was running for a fourth term. People were getting tired of Mario Fachabruta Como. He was erudite. He was omnipotent. He was pretentious. He was obnoxious. And people were tired. Now, they didn't necessarily know George Pataki, but they were ready for a change. And then what happened, Lou, towards the end of October? My guy right here at WABC, Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, crossed over that divide and became ultraditor and endorsed Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. As a result, it's so close to Election Day. In fact, they should have waited a, a little bit of time, and they probably would have uh, would have won the election. But it's so riled up Republicans upstate and in their graves that 70% of the registered Republicans came out to vote. An unprecedented number. Those are the differences. But overall, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, Lee Zeldin did an amazing job. He came in, remember, as a hardcore Trumper. He had signed off on the fact that they were not going to call they were not going to count our, our ballots for the president he was going to suspend that and then of course his position on abortion as we saw over and over from Kathy Crimewave Holcomb her ads pro-life even in the case of uh, rape and incest so he was starting out with a lot of negatives he went through a bruising primary campaign Andrew Giuliani faced off with him Astorino And Wilson, who came in at the last minute and was dropping millions and millions of dollars on him, he had to spend what resources he had, and then he had to start all over again. It was like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty, Lee Zeldin, took a great fall, and it took all the Republicans to put him back together again to charge forward against Kathy Crimewave Hochul. And again, they thought it was a slam dunk. They started to get into a prevent defense area, even though they knew the crime was growing. Their attitude was that we could run out the clock. And then Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, came in and started talking about how, come on, uh, you have the presumption of crime, the perception of crime, followed by Kathy Crimewave Holcomb saying this is all a conspiracy on the part of Republicans. And average everyday men and women said, you know something? You couldn't be more hopelessly long, and many started to cross that Maginot line. Unfortunately, Lee Zeldin crested too early. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. A company always on the Destiny, oh, it's the rising sun. In honor of Bernard McGurk, our colleague who has passed on to Radio Heaven. Always missed. I'm broadcasting this lunchtime edition to you from the Bernard McGurk studio. And so much of our time and energy will be spent to honor Bernard McGurk in the future, the here and now, and also to talk about prostate cancer awareness, how men have got to get a simple blood test starting at the age of 40. Bernard did not. Unfortunately, he's not with us because of that. 
I waited too long, Rudy waited too long, and we paid the price, but we survived. But Bernard McGurk, if he was in the studios of WABC this morning, would have been standing strong for Donald Trump. Right, Lou? No doubt about it. The biggest Trump supporter in the world. Uh, and he would have been offended by what I said, what Bo Dietl said, and what Congressman Peter King said. First, let me take you back to uh, Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. I was on the other side of midnight from 4 to 5. He had a number of robust guests uh, all morning long from 1 to 5. But from 4 to 5, clear out. On one side was Leticia Romero, former chairwoman of the Republican Republican Party on Staten Island. Hardcore Trumper. I mean, Lou, like Bernard McGurk, Donald Trump till the day they die. And then you had Curtis Lewa in the studio, who's been labeled a never-Trumper from the very first time I opened my mouth about Donald Trump and then when I ran for mayor, and you know the rest of the story. So we got it on. I mean, I basically said, look, after this great victory of DeSantis in Florida, uh, he's the go-to guy. He's the the here and now and the future of the Republican Party and their other candidates. It's time out with the old, in with the new. Time for Donald Trump uh, to stay in Mar-a-Lago. Time for Joe Biden to go to his uh, uh, beachfront house in Delaware Sweep out the old, bring in the new. And boy, we were getting it on, Lou, like scorpions in a brandy glass. And then what does Frank do? He goes to some curmudgeon, so, so-called expert who's like, <laughs> and like uh, 4.30 in the morning, what are you doing, Frank? Then he goes to Maryland for an update. Like, yeah, we really want to know what's going on in Maryland. God, the guy is still JV. He just doesn't get it. But you know who was listening on his way in? Sid Rosenberg coming in from the Irish Riviera, exalted in the fact that his friend and the guy that he had campaigned for, I did my little bit for Tom Sullivan uh, running for state senator out there. He's ahead in the count so far against the uh, sitting state senator. We We all hope that Sullivan comes through. So he was feeling good about that, but then he heard me, and as soon as he walked in the door at 5 o'clock, Curtis, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, Donald Trump's got to step aside and make room for DeSantis or any of the new jacks in the Republican Party. I'm a Trumper do and die. And I could hear Bernie coming right to him. Lucky Bernie wasn't still alive. He probably would have tried to knock my block off. But then Bodito came on with uh, Sid Rosenberg in the 7 o'clock hour. And he took the same path, the collision course... With Sid Rosenberg and the ghost of Bernard McGurk, who is standing loud and proud for Donald Trump. Whether you like it or not, Sid, I know you're a big Donald Trump supporter. I know him a lot longer than you, and I know him 40 years. His condescending, his narcissistic ways are the things that people hate, even in the Republican Party. Now you go to DeSantis. You want to knock DeSantis? He delivered Miami-Dade. was totally Democrat. He was able to get to them. Because he's a good manager. He managed that, that state wonderful. You've got a president in there. We talked about it yesterday. The Secretary of State Blinken, fool. Lloyd Austin, fool. You have uh, Alexandria, whatever the hell his name. Butchin, Johnny Yellen, Merrick Garland. He put a bunch of fools in there. It's like running a business. 
DeSantis can run a business, and he doesn't have that other side of him where people dislike. We have to get a moderate in there. You don't understand. So many of my Republican friends, which who are loyal to Donald Trump, hate his guts. Lou Bodito had his very dear friend, Sid Rosenberg, spinning like a top. You could see Sid is red from all the tanning that he gets, but he became even red. He looked like a beet. A red beet, like he could have been a bowl of cold borscht, except he was hotter than a firecracker. And then Congressman Peter King came on with Sid Rosenberg in the 8 o'clock hour to do his analysis of the local elections and obviously the national elections and the impact of former President Donald Trump. The fact is that uh, Donald Trump, the candidates that he selected for the Senate, almost all these guys lost. That's true. No, you're right. I'm and just, then, ki- I'm just kidding so, with you. Listen, yeah. he was an excellent president. I voted for him. I supported him. But the fact is that I think people are getting tired of that. And I think the fact that Ron DeSantis won such a big race in, in Florida. I mean, he only won by like a half a point four years ago. So imagine. Here it is, Sid had to listen to me with Frank, four to five. Then he had to listen to his friend Bo Deedle take the same track in the 7 o'clock hour. Congressman Peter King in the 8 o'clock hour. And, man, Sid was, like, ready to, almost sounded like he was ready to jump out the window. I'm so conflicted about so many things now. I mean, I felt so great about Trump, and you idiots now making me think twice, you know. Call us idiots. Could I hear that again? Could I hear that again? I'm so conflicted about so many things now. I mean, I felt so great about Trump, and you idiots now making me think twice, you know. So I'm an idiot. Bo Dito's an idiot. Congressman Peter King is an idiot. You see, this is where the chasm is starting. The chasm is starting. Then Mark Levin, nobody could question his credentials, a number one supporter of Donald Trump. But let's look at the election in Arizona because Mark Levin, 6 to 9, Monday through Fridays, has a national broadcast, a powerful broadcast. And with Kerry Lake behind in the vote count, but just barely, uh, in that race against Katie Hobbs for the Arizona governorship. Listen to what Carrie Lake had done to Mark Levin. Not once, not twice, Lou, but three times. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know how to tell you this. We've had scheduled on this program the last several weeks three times Carrie Lake at their request. And they've canceled three times, and this time one hour before she's supposed to appear on the radio show. So I'm guessing she's probably going to be on some Fox show, because that's what she did last time. Now, Arizona, I want you to vote for her. She's far better than the other candidate. But I just want you to know that. I would never do anything like this. And sometimes these candidates who like to be on TV, like to get their faces on TV, don't understand that talk radio has an audience that's four or five times larger than the highest-rated Fox News show. That is true. And remember, Mark Levin does the highest-rated Fox program on Sunday nights. So he speaks truth to that. Imagine, she... (laughs) How do you do that? Three times. Because she's a TV gal. Again, she's trailing in the count just barely. Another indicator of the neck-and-neck race in Arizona, which is now clearly a purple state, because of the influx of residents into uh, Phoenix, Maricopa County, 
especially as they flee California. Phoenix is the fastest-growing city in America. They have a Proposition 309 in Arizona. I love it. They have so many propositions, uh, and it gives people an opportunity to make decisions. That required in-person voters to show unexpired photo ID and require mail-in voters to submit affidavits of identity. You would think the people, right, in lieu would vote overwhelmingly for that. So far in the count, 51% say you should not have to be required to provide that information to vote. 49% say you should, neck and neck, like almost all those other races. And then the new star of the Republican Party is clearly DeSantis, and he's been a growing star with all the things he's done nationally uh, from Florida. And what he's done locally, and particularly as he crushed Charlie Chris yesterday. Charlie Chris, who had originally been a Republican, then he became an independent, then he became a Democrat. He's a well-known name in Florida, but he got crushed by DeSantis. And here's Mark Levin, who interviewed DeSantis, who is a big Trump supporter. And this was his observation just the other day. All right, Governor. Any final words for uh, the Floridians and Americans generally? All Floridians, I'm asking for your vote. Uh, we're going to continue to work hard, and all Americans, please get out and vote to change the direction of this country in a better way. All right. Good luck, Governor, and God bless you and your family, my friend. All right. Godspeed, buddy. Take care. You too. I don't know. That's that's a pretty good interview, even without Carrie Lake, don't you think, Mr. Producer? oh and it was it was a very good interview if you could go back uh, to the podcast of mark levin at wabcradio.com listen to it it was really good and then yesterday i wasn't able to get the uh, cut mark levin started off his uh, program and warned the business attorney for donald trump to mind his own business and stop attacking desantis and take care of of the family business, of the Trump family, because he was saying it was out of order. And I increasingly, more and more, you see Donald Trump, who is all into I and me, attacking DeSantis, telling the Wall Street Journal. This is what he told the Wall Street Journal. He goes, I know more about DeSantis than his own wife knows. He better be careful. The hell, that's like a head of an organized crime family. It's like I got information about you that I'm going to drop on the world. You believe it? Yes, I can believe it. This is the way he's operated. Many of you have accepted it. But you know, this is DeSantis's time. It's never going to get better. You look in the past. Mario Cuomo had his time. That uh, plane was waiting on the tarmac at Albany County Airport to take him to New Hampshire to fill out the required papers so he could run in the Democratic primary to run for president of the United States. That was his best opportunity, and he hesitated. The Hamlet on the Hudson. Look at Shabu, El Jefe, Chris Christie. The pig farmers in Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, came to Trump thwack it and appealed to him, begged for him to get involved in the Republican Iowa caucusoid caucus and that they would fund his effort, and he took a pass on that. That was his best opportunity to become president of the United States because, remember, before there was Trump, it was Chris Christie, and he was hoping that Mitt Romney, who ultimately won the primary, would choose him as his vice presidential running mate, and who did he choose to badger guy? Ryan. 
Ryan. <laughs> but that was his opportunity. And you can see there is a history. When it's your time, it'll never get better for DeSantis. He's got to make the run now. And naturally, there are Trumpers out there who say, how dare you? Because Trump is so into bullying people. I mean, look at it. Lion Ted. Remember Lion Ted Cruz? And when they were neck and neck in 2016, in the morning of the Indiana primary, which was a make-or-break primary, what did Donald Trump have to tell the world about Ted Cruz's father? And how Ted Cruz can even look him in the eye after that is beyond me. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. But I think it's horrible. Right. There was a picture out there that reportedly shows um, uh, Raphael Cruz standing with Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, what, was he, doing with, what was he doing with Lee Harvey Oswald right. shortly before the death, uh, before the shooting? It's, it's Crazy. horrible. Lies. Schmear. Lion Ted Cruz. And that became his nickname. He's got no onions. He's got cocktail onions. And then look, remember, right, little Marco, right, Rubio, is Trump embracing him the other day. Little Marco, he, he's okay. And now, what is it that uh, Donald Trump tried out in that rally outside of Pittsburgh on behalf of Dr. Oz? Dr. Oz, come on. I mean, this guy, Fetterman, I even wore my black hoodie in this morning in honor of Fetterman. Fetterman beats Dr. Oz pretentious, obnoxious, just, man. You know, they had a meeting uh, at a steakhouse here when he first launched uh, his effort trying to get support, Dr. Oz. And Rudy Giuliani was sitting at the table, right? There's about 10, 12 people. And Dr. Oz tells Rudy, don't order the steak, order the fish. Can you imagine that? That's like something your mother would tell you. He lost to Fetterman. How do you lose to Fetterman? And then in the last rally, Trump in Pennsylvania trying to help the drowning Oz, his guy, he called DeSantis desanctimonious, multi-syllabic. Notice, that didn't have the flow, Lou, of lying Ted or little Marco. Desanctimonious? Man, DeSantis, it's your time to take a shot at it. It may never get better, and you can't let the bully Trump stand in your way because it ain't about the Republican Party for Trump. It ain't about America. It's always about Donald Trump. I said that long ago. I say it now. This is where you have an opportunity. Trump gets to run. DeSantis gets to run. Others get to run. Remember when Trump ran in 2016, there were 17 candidates. Let's get it on. Debates, primaries. Let the best man or woman win. Likewise, it should be out with the old and in with the new for the Democrats. Uh, Trump and Biden need to retire because we don't need a replay of 2020. What they do. Such a great song in reference to what will be taking place Thursday night. 
Lou, I intend on doing an intervention tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, 7.05, with uh, Sid Rosenberg, begging him, beseeching him not to walk into the belly of the beast and have that scheduled sit-down dinner with Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. This is what Sid had to say earlier today about that. And now I've got this dinner planned for tomorrow night, as you know, Lewis, with the mayor of New York City. And it is happening. I got the confirmation yesterday that tomorrow night in Brooklyn, it'll be uh, Sid, Danielle, and Mayor Adams. You know, uh, can I hear that one more time, Lou? Now I've got this dinner planned for tomorrow night, as you know, Lewis, with the mayor of New York City. And it is happening. I got the confirmation yesterday that tomorrow night, In Brooklyn, it'll be uh, Sid, Danielle, and Mayor Adams. Now, think of that, Lou. Why Danielle all of a sudden? Danielle is a very prestigious attorney with a very prestigious law firm. She's well-renowned in legal circles. Eric Adams just announced that we don't have enough lawyers for corporation counsel, and he is outsourcing work to legal corporations. Frank Carone, his outgoing chief of staff, no doubt will be there. He ran a law firm and will continue to run a law firm when he leaves being chief of staff on the 1st of January. Lou, they're going to make an offer to his wife to do law work. They're going to sweeten up Sid. They're going to try to develop a problem between him and his wife because she's going to say, come on. Look, they're offering me good legal work here. Come on, the city needs help. They're outsourcing to a lot of lawyers in the private world of corporate law. You watch. They had this all planned out. Well, you can't miss tomorrow at 7.05 because (laughs) wait till you see the intervention that I'm going to do. Wait till you see what I give to Sid Rosenberg to take to this sit-down with Mayor Eric Adams on Thursday night. And, you know, if you ever miss this show, my lunchtime edition of WABC, or the many shows I do on the weekend, WABC stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. My on-air shows are podcasted. The Curtis Lee News Network video is podcasted. My social media posts can be found at wabcradio.com slash Curtis. So if you miss any of that, just go to wabcradio.com slash Curtis. And I thank Trinity Rehab. It's been a great friend, great sponsor of mine over the years for allowing my content to be posted here at 77 WABC. They've created a digital home for me, my home away from home here at WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.